Blog Talk Radio. Hello, dear friends of Cardiac Radio, and welcome back to Sex and Destiny. Tonight, it's our last show on the topic of the book, and we are very happy that you've accompanied us during this journey, and we are very excited to start a new journey with you all. Next week, we're going to start talking about the book And Life Goes On by the same spirit author, Andre Lewis. It's the last book of his series, Psychocraft by Chic Xavier, and it's also like a romance, focusing on how the characters or the people, because they're real people as well, arrive in the spirit world and how they get used to that situation, how they interact with family and other people they left behind on earth. So we are looking forward to being with you all together starting July 12th, next week. Same time, same spot, Wednesday, 5 p.m. on Cardiac Radio. And I will be again together with Mackenzie Mello. So we are wrapping up our study with a talk by Vanessa Anceloni our dear Kadek Radio founder and main host of Kadek Radio. The topic is Sex, Spirit, Influences and Destiny based on the book Sex and Destiny but bringing some other views as well that we haven't discussed yet. Enjoy the talk and we will be back next week. This is the book by Andrea Lewis, Through the Hands not only of the medium Chico Xavier, but also Valdo Vieira. And this is one of the most fascinating phenomena we can experience in mediumship. It never happened in history before, but in Brazil, in the 50s and 60s, when two mediums in different cities, different times, they were instruments of these teachings, stories, alternated chapters, they didn't talk to each other, and when it was put together, when you read it, it seems like it came from one single source. It's one very special phenomenon we have seen nowhere else. And not only this, but this is the one of the 16 books by Andrea Lewis, The Spirit Doctor. This is the 14th of them. And uh, in this book especially, um, Emmanuel, the experimenter of uh, the medium, Francisco Xavier, he says in the preface, love and sex imprint natural responsibilities in their own consequences, and nobody hurt others' affective treasures without painful reparations. Besides other things, Andre Luis comes in his own preface and says, sex and destiny, love and conscience, liberty and commitment, guilt and rescue, home and reincarnation are the themes of this book, Born in Daily Life. And later he's going to say that this is a true account that happened in Rio de Janeiro. But he says, more common than we imagine, it happened on the planet Earth, more common than we imagine. The reason why superior spirits decide to display this specific drama is because it's very common to many families, more than we can imagine. And here we have many teachings.
So we'd like to introduce you to the characters. Okay, just so we it's like a movie, but it's not as animated, a little bit. We have two families, the Nogueras, and they have uh, the parents, okay? And two children, Marina and Marita, and the Torres, two families. And one that has the father, the mother, and the son, literally the father, the mother, the son. Let's take a look at the characters, the Nogueras, because I know it's going to take at least one or two more years for this book to come true, so we can't wait anymore. So we disclose a little bit about what it, what it is. So Mr. Claudio Nogueira is the father in this family. Mrs. Marcia Nogueira is married to Claudio. And Marina is one of the children. Marita is the sister. Okay. In the Torres family, we have Mr. Nemesio married to Mrs. Beatriz. And they have a child named, who now they are all in their youth years, Gilberto. We have the spirit team who helps the families. One of them, of course, is spirit doctor Andrea Lewis, who is not directly related, but he's in the helping team. Pedro Neves, who is the father, who is in the spirit realm, and the family member in the spirit realm that is very uh, close to Beatrice. Beatrice, again, she is from the Torres family. He is in the spirit realm, and he is very concerned, and you see why. He asked Andrew Luis to help, and he has a major help that comes from Brother Felix. And the reason why, of course, they are not like this in the spirit realm, just a symbolism, but to show that Brother Felix is of a very elevated nature. Okay, Brother Felix is somewhat related to the families, and you see it in why and how. And he is strongly committed to helping and rescuing the family members who are in deep drama. So we have two families who apparently have nothing to do with one another. They are both living um, in the, um, at the beginning of the 20th century in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, and somehow they meet, and the drama begins. How? This is how the drama begins. Pedro Neves asks Andrea Luiz and Brother Felix to help because there is a guy like Moreira who is one of the obsessors, mostly the obsessing spirit leader. And we don't discriminate him by putting a teeth, co teeth costume, but pretty much he is vampirizing the family for the time being, and vampirizing in the sense that Andrea Luis disclosed in the Nosolar book. Whenever we are idle in nature and we are taking advantage of other people's resources, we are vampires. So today is Halloween. People are talking about vampires everywhere, and the truth definition of vampire are people who are really sucking other people's energy in the psychological, physical, emotional sense, spiritual sense as well. And this is the leader of the group, Moreira. And we'll see his transformation, which is very unbelievable. So here is the story how it begins. Mrs. Beatrice Torres, she's in the hospital. 
She's at deathbed. And what's happening? Of course, Pedro Neves, the father who's in the spirit realm, is visiting her. And he's concerned not only because she's about to die, but because of something else that is happening in the parallel. Andrea Lewis is asked to partake in this journey and help Pedro Neves, who is very emotional. And this is the beauty of it, because Andrea Lewis shows to us that our family members in the spirit realm, not necessarily they are like superior spirits to us. Sometimes they are just at our level. And they get as upset as we do when we see people mistreating our family members. So he's very sad. He's very concerned. And he turns to Andrea Lewis and says, Do you see my daughter? She's at the deathbed. But let me show you what's happening in the waiting room. So they go to the waiting room. And who is there? Mr. Nemesio, who is married to Mrs. Beatrice. And uh, what is he doing there? Well, he's accompanied by Marina. Marina is from the Nogueras family. She met Nemesio because she works for him in his company. He's a very successful businessman. And she's working for him. But, uh, and, and she's asked to take care of Mrs. Beatrice because there is nobody else in the family to assist. So she volunteered there is a hidden agenda here. Because Mr. Nemesio is more of the type of the womanizing type of man, and she's quite young, they get into this romantic relationship. So, here they are, Pedro Neves and Andrea Luis. They go to the waiting room and are seeing Marine and Mr. Nemesio in this romantic dialogue. Let's picture it. They are there talking about And Mr. Nemezio tells Marina, I can't wait for us to finally be together and you'll be my wife. The minute Beatrice is back to the, you know, she's dead, then we'll get married and we'll be happy forever. I will stop working, be yours 24-7. My goodness, I can't imagine how disturbing it can be to be with someone 24-7, doing nothing but looking at each other. Because when it's useful, then it's great. But 24-7, for what? That's why nowadays, men or women get retired, they get, get together, big problem. When we get together too much with the people around us, usually it doesn't work well. So, well, she was in love with him, but at the same time, she was in love with his money. You see? Andrea Lewis shows the scenario. And Andrea Lewis and Pedro Neves, they are watching this, and they are very like us. Probably we would be, or I, I would, judgmental. And Andrea Lewis shows that as they are judgmental, there is vibrations of being judgmental that go instead of stopping them from being this wrong romantic relationship, it excites them even more. So they feel like even more like, you know, being loved, kissing each other, and the wife is in the other room at deathbed. Suddenly, Andrea Lewis describes 
comes Brother Felix, and he looks at them with compassion, understanding. And Andre Lewis describes that his vibration enveloped the couple, and with good vibrations, and he made them feel like stepping backwards and saying, uh-oh, deep in their minds. And they felt like, oh, I need to look at Mrs. Beatriz. Let me see how she's doing, Marina said. And then Mr. Nemes said, yeah, go there. I'll see you later. So both felt like I have to stop this. And this was a teaching for Andrea Lewis and Pedro Nevis because they're like, hmm, we thought we were helping, but by being judgmental, we're not helping. On the other, on the contrary, we're boosting the bad scenario. Which is very interesting because, for example, nowadays in America, we can be very critical and judgmental about so many things. And instead of helping, we are worsening. So it's a good awareness for us. Good awareness. We can, if we are going to, it doesn't mean that Brother Felix was not there aware of what's going on. But just stopping and sending the thoughts is not going to help. So it changed, and what did they do? They later went there to take care of Mrs. Beatrice. Well, in the meantime, at the Nogueira's home, because that was the tourist family, the Nogueira's home, Andre Louis shows us and presents, introduces us to Claudio. Claudio is also somewhat wealthy from the elite society as well. He's very, you know, well put together, and he's in his robes, seated at the end of the day at his living room. And uh, Andre Louis shows something very interesting. That Marita is on the, on, in her bedroom, but they have spirit company there. In the house, there are two entities who are you know, joining Claudio in something they're going to do together. Moreira and a friend, they're there chatting, very vulgar in their, you know, language, very low vibration. And they see that Claudio is there, you know, doing nothing. That's, that's the problem when we're somewhere doing nothing and thinking about nothing. Uh, the ones who are in the same frequency doing nothing, they come and make suggestions. But we're no victims because Claude is not very superior. He's pretty much at the level of Moreira, says Andre Lewis. And then Moreira comes, and they're pretty much, you know, both, they took the house. Andre Lewis once, as if this were the door of the house, he tried to get in, but he couldn't because Moreira and the friend they simply took charge of the house, spiritually speaking. It was their house. For Andre Lewis, as he was more evolved, to get into the house, it was pretty hard, becoming visible to the lower frequency spirits. So he really had to disguise himself, but the guys were brutal because they were very rude. They didn't allow in. When we're not thinking very elevated things, we don't have good spirit company. And that's why we're always angry, grumpy, and uh, upset about things. And that's what happened to them until 
they finally suggested to Claudio, hey, Claudio, let's drink. Drink. I want to drink. And Andre Lewis describes this peri-spirit to peri-spirit fusion between Morera and Claudio, and later the spirit friend of Morera and Claudio, and they get together and they show, as Claudio is taking a sip of the, the cup of whiskey, it feels like both are drinking because it's a peri-spirit to peri-spirit connection. And, of course, he's drinking more and more and doesn't stop there. It gets pretty bad because that's also when the other part of the drama begins. Marita is in her bedroom, okay? And then Morera got to the point where Mr. Claudio is drunk. And he starts saying, hey, Claudio, let's go there and, you know, Let's talk to Marita. Because for Morera, Marita is not a daughter. And Morera knew Marita from her previous life. Claudio thought that Marita was his adopted child, not his real child. A child from a maid that committed suicide. He didn't know that he had any blood relationship with her. And he felt like induced by Morera to go there and seduce Marita. So he goes in and both go in, actually. Both. Claudio is there talking to Marita, but he's not alone. And when he's there, Marita was pretty upset because of something else you know pretty soon. She's almost crying, and then Claudio comes, approaches her. She's seated on her bed and comes and says, you know, I'm here to help you. And he seems very paternal until, with the influence of Morera, he becomes not a father, but a man who wants Marita, sexually speaking. She runs away. She's so scared. She's so disturbed to know that the father who was her father wants to have sex with her, she leaves her home, and here's what's happening inside of her house, uh, or her mental house, Marita's life. Marita, actually, in, at that la time of her life, she was in love with Gilberto, who is the Mr. Nemesius and Mr. Beatrice's son. They were in love, promising to get married and everything, until one day, the sister, Marina, got in between them. Why? Because he was visiting his father's company, and she was working there. And when he got to know Marita was the sister, so in a way, Marina was much more... You know, she was smarter in some ways to do the wrong things. She seduced him, and uh, she got in this love triangle besides the relationship with Mr. Nemesio, which he had already going on until she met the son. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. But she felt that Gilberto was not much into her yet, and she found out that the father wanted, the supposed father wanted to have sexual intercourse with her. 
So she was deeply disturbed, and she got evidence that Gilbert and Marina are dating. She pretends to be Marina one day, calls Gilberto, and he says he doesn't care about Marita, not knowing that she's the very one who is on the phone. So she wants to commit suicide. And who created the scenario? The father, Mr. Norguera, to make sure because he wasn't in love anymore with his wife and vice versa. And because she wasn't actually his child, he thought he could well have a relationship with the adopted child. And then what happened? She got so disturbed, he, she ran away by herself, feeling that her life was so disturbed. She had nobody in her life. She was alone. She decided to commit suicide. She goes to the pharmacy, asking the, pharma the pharmacist to give her a drug for the dog, to put the dog to sleep. But the pharmacist, this is where spiritism comes into play as well. The pharmacist was a spiritist, a very well-intentioned man, and he got this intuition he should not give her the medication she wanted. So he gave her some sleeping pills. And she didn't know it wasn't actually the pills she requested. So she left, went to the beach, and took a lot of the sleeping pills, thinking she was going to kill herself. She didn't make it. She slept. And then that, that night, what happened is that a man who cleans the streets was passing by, pretty drunk. He tries to come and rob her. She wakes up pretty scared, runs away, and she, when she's running away from the guy, boom, a car accident. Okay, we already talked about them. What happens to her? She's hospitalized. And she now is in the best scenario possible. She's now at the hospital, pretty unconscious, deep coma, and there is no hope for her. And what's happening then? Claudio talks to Mrs. His, Mrs. Noguera, who is Marcia Noguera, and she doesn't appreciate him anymore. Andrea Luis shows it to us because he was the type of husband that was a womanizer. He always you know, had everything he wanted. He didn't appreciate much the relationship until one day she didn't care about him anymore. So he talked about what happened to Marita. She found out that uh, Claudia was trying to hit on her daughter and said, you know, you think she's adopted? I'll tell you the truth. She's your child. And he's like, what? Yes, she's your child. She is your child because remember when we had that maid? Remember you had sexual relationship with her? You got her pregnant. And you know why she committed suicide? I'll show you the note and shows the note. She didn't want to be between you and I. She committed suicide because of you. My goodness, this man goes crazy. He becomes so distressed, repentant, until the pharmacist gets a hold of him because he learned that uh, Marita is in a car accident and uh, talked to him about it, about spiritism, 
saying, you know, gave him the gospel, say, I know it's a bad situation, but there is a way always. He started learning about it. And not only him, but the obsessor. Morera, everything that is happening to Claudio is being learned by the obsessor. And Marita and Morera also have uh, some connection because he can read her thoughts. Like in the Spirit's book, we learn from Kardec's words and the spirits who brought through the mediums at Kardec's time that the spirits place a great influence of ourselves over ourselves, greater than we imagine. And usually we're like, oh no, there nobody can influence me. Yeah, nobody but the ones who are around us. And that's what happened. So Marita was very unconscious, and Claudio and Morera, in some way, they are crying and they are repented because they liked Marita. They didn't do this because they didn't. They they want them to suffer. They wanted her in a romantic way, in a in, in a passionate way. It was very instinctive, but it was for this very carnal love. So they are repentant. They are crying. Claudio got to know of spiritism until one day, Marita, she's in coma, but she's thinking. And this is what we don't know, that when the body is in coma, the spirit is fully active. She's learning everything that is happening around, and she's still in her train of thoughts. And she's there thinking about Marina, her sister. She has full hatred towards Marina, and she's thinking, oh, it's all Marina's fault. I hate her. I will avenge myself. Well, the guy who is in the spirit realm, he listens to her thoughts. He loves her and doesn't appreciate what's happening to her. So he listens to that and says, uh-huh, I'm going to do that. What does he do? He leaves the scenario and goes where Marina is. She's very conflicted, Marina. She's conflicted, and that's how she opened the doors for the obsessor. Because now he's upset, he wants to avenge Marita. He comes without knowing much of the story, and the little he knows is that Marina is having a romantic relationship with the father and the son. She's very conflicted, and not knowing how she's going to get out of this, they both don't know that this triangle is happening. They don't know, but herself. And that's when the climax, when the Marita goes to the hospital, Marina starts being feeling guilty because she learns the reason why she got desperate and got into the accident because she called Gilberto, got to know that they were dating, and she felt pretty upset, and she's in this conflict. No, I'm not guilty for this. You know, it's Marita's fault. It's not my fault. She was the one who was weak and decided to take her life. What if it's my fault? So she was like thinking it was her fault, not her fault. So this is a good way in which we stop, open a parenthesis. Whenever we, we're conflicted at that level, it's better to say, 
I have some responsibility and work on it, then keep conflicted. Otherwise, she opened the door for the one who didn't like what she did. And what did he do? He started telling her thoughts of guilt and shame, saying, you are a murderer. You murdered your sister. And saying over and over again, until she was taken to a psychiatric unit. Why? Because he planned a way for father and son to see what she was doing. He planned in such a way in the spirit realm, just like whispering to people's minds, she was in the bedroom with Gilberto kissing him, and he kind of whispered for Mr. Nemesio to go there to see Marina. When he opened the door, he saw her, and she saw him, but not the son. So the son did not know anything about the romantic relationship between them. And when she saw it, it triggered the guilt to the highest level. So she started punishing herself, beating herself, biting herself, just like we see psychiatric charts. You know, it's exactly what we see in a psychiatric definition. She was taken to a unit because she was hurting herself. But this is what's in the behind the scenes that people don't know. She had her own elements plus the elements of our spirit companions. And what happened there? Morera intensified the inner guilt, creating this atmosphere, and literally Andrea Louis shows us, through her guilt for her sexual imbalance and her bad decisions, the guilt and shame was intensified. She was putting this madness and was kept there until Andre Lewis came with the suggestion of Brother Felix, talked to Moreira, because back then they were already friends because they met at the hospital. They were helping um, Marina and said, Andrea Luis to Moreira, look, Moreira, Marina is at bed, at deathbed. She needs you there. Oh, really? Why? Because art and literally, there were spirit doctors trying to help her, give her some life, because she needed more time on earth. And this is when people don't understand. Again, why we, if we are in coma, we need to be in coma for as long as God allows. Because there are things happening in the spirit realm and in the inner feelings of people that we don't know. We cannot play God and go there in natural life, of course. And then he said, our spirit doctors are there, but the, there is no fluidic connection with Marina, but you do for previous life's connections. And that's when the obsessor starts becoming a helper. For the love he feels for Marina, Marita, he is asked to come and join forces with the spirit team, giving energy so she can be sustained in her life on the physical realm for as long as needed. So he says, okay, I will go there. But as funny as it is, 
Andre Luis explains to us, he goes, but he has some friends. You see how many? To stay there. Like a mafia stuff. Literally saying, you stay here, you keep her insane, okay? That's your role. Keep her insane. That's your role. And they are doing it. Of course, until one day, Brother Felix convinces him to, okay, ask your friends out, and then she's freed from the psychiatric unit. So, back to Marita at deathbed. Claudio is there. Maria comes to help. And when he learns more about spiritism, he starts talking to her mind to mind, and she responds in some way. He can feel that she doesn't like him for what she has done. But before she dies, Andrea Lewis shows to us that they made peace before she died. He was there every day, truly repentant for what he did, reading for her and saying, I am a transformed man. Now I understand why I had these feelings for you. It must be something from reincarnation. Please forgive me, asking for forgiveness, showing that he was different. He changed and Moreira changed too. By having him changed, Moreira changed, and Morita received these vitalizing fluids from the former obsessor. It's when things start to unfold in a different direction. All being commanded and coordinated by the good spirits under Brother Felix's guidance. Well, until one day, Mr. Beatrice, who is already deceased, she passed away. Remember, she was a deathbed. She passed away. Finally, she comes and says, I want to visit my family. I want to see my... She loved her husband, never thought he was cheating on her. And uh, he... She said, I want to visit. You know, Pedro Neves knew what's happening, but Brother Felix allowed, there was a reason why, allowed her to visit. And it was pretty. Because Brandon Neves saw that she became pretty disturbed. When she went down and he describes her trip into her own home, the spirit entities who were in the house with her husband who went pretty um, crazy, <coughs> He's there in the house with bad entities as well, and she gets to know of everything that is happening for both families. She gets so stressed out that she goes nuts, literally. She's brought in to the spirit realm into a psychiatric unit. Andrea Lewis, Pedro Neves, see that she gets in the state of madness, because she cannot sustain the, the reality, the, the contact with reality, and uh, she is brought to the spirit realm. Marita dies. Just so you know what happened afterwards, of course, it's like 350 pages, but just the main fact of the story, Marita dies in peace with her father. Morera is already in progress in a new direction. Marina leaves the psychiatric unit, is, gets married to Gilberto, who loves her very much. Something interesting here, Andrea Luis disclosed to us, Gilberto was supposed to marry Marita, not Marina. So this was already a change in the reincarnatory plans. 
because of our free will. Marina wasn't supposed to be there, but you see how this is going to unfold. There is always a way to fix stuff. So they get married. Claudio is reformed thanks to the Spiritist teachings. He's a new man, going to the center, becoming more charitable, etc. And now he is the person helping the couple build this family and knowing that good things may happen ahead. On the same time, Nemezio is mad because he still loves Marina. He doesn't like his son anymore because he's upset with the son who took over his loved one. He is now in a romantic relationship with Mrs. Nogueira, Marcia, because she separated from Claudio. They are in this interested romance. He is with her because he loves Marina and hopes one day he's going to be with Marina. She is with him because he's wealthier than Claudio, more of, you know, a charming man, etc. So, logically, these guys here, they are in the lower part of the slide because they are not doing well in their minds. They're really still very instinctive. And what happens then in the spirit realm? The spirits know that things are not fixed yet. Then they go to the spirit realm, show another part of the spirit realm in this institute that is named the Sibling Souls Institute. Okay? There, it's an institute that Andrea Louis shows to us where they have all the records of all patients, including these people. They have their names and the history of their reincarnations. Plus, they have a complaint department. It's amazing. Because, you know, people can complain about us there. Like the BBB here, you know, they have the Better Business Bureau. They have it there, too. They can complain about us. Fair complaints, okay? Fair. Saying, you know, they did this to me. Now I'm hurt. Now I'm upset. And then he shows that there they do courses teaching people to reincarnate better. This is an institute that has the sole mission of sexual re-education. Who knows if we've been there before? I don't know. But it's possible that we've been through some of this. Courses in which Andre Lewis tells us that we are learning about. Courses named Sex and Love, Sex and Marriage, Sex and Paternity, Sex and Stimulus, Sex and Balance, Sex and Medicine, Sex and Evolution, Sex and Law. Okay? Another parenthesis here, the spirit Manuel Filomena de Miranda through Divaldo Franco in a book that was entitled Sex and Obsession. Sex and Obsession, not in English yet. Phenomenal as well. He says, the people who were the generation of the hippies, the ones that created the hippie movement, with all the respect to them, Filomena de Miranda said, they were people who were very imbalanced in their sexual life. And they were supposed to be born to rebalance it, but not to go crazy and nuts like they did, unfortunately. So Manuel Flamenda de Miranda says they were the ones who in the spirit realm were in these orgies and uh, sexual craziness, and they were reborn to rebalance at that level. 
but unfortunately some of them did not, others did. They thought that liberating themselves to this uh, ruleless freedom was the way to go, not in the way we understand it. So in this institute, we learn how to balance ourselves at that level. And they give some very interesting statistics. They say, as they prepare people for future reincarnations, they say in 80 years at this institute, they helped 6,000 spirits. Of course, there are more institutes everywhere and elsewhere. And this is the statistics they gave. Of the 6,000 spirits, 18% reincarnated and came back to this institute victorious about the rebalancing of their sexual life. 22% came back from the last reincarnation improved in their sexual balance. 26% came back from the last reincarnation imperfectly improved. And 34% went back with worse deaths than when they reincarnated. Of course, we are happy because majority succeeded, right? So this is when goodness prevails, majority here. But still, a pretty reasonable amount of people who are still persisting in the opposite direction. But this is what they do there. And this is one of the most beautiful parts of the book, when they start showing how we progress. Because when we look at this account, we may be reading and say, wow, can't believe it. I know some of you read and listened to the the, the audio part of this book in Portuguese. And for some of the most part of the book, it feels like, oh my goodness, people are pretty, pretty messed up and bad. But then at the last third of the book, we learn how goodness always prevails, how we always succeed, and how we have great spirit help. If we have the obsessors coming and disturbing, we have the spirit friends. But let's redefine the presence of obsessors. They are like viruses and bacteria. They, in some way, depending on how many or how much of their influence, they can be pretty good for our immune system, depending how much of their influence are onto us. Because we may be getting stronger, knowing, oh, obsessors are onto me. I can feel their negativity around. So instead of, oh, my God, get rid of obsessors, say, okay, do like Mr. Nogueira, Claudio, learn more, study, pray more, and they will learn with us. People will not get rid of obsessors like trash because they're not trash. Maybe, who knows, if we were there once. Hopefully we're not obsessors in nobody's life this life. Because to be an obsessor is just to be negative about someone all the time. We are their obsessors. Being negative about somebody all the time, we're being their obsessors. For example, if I am negative about the president of our country... I am the president's obsessor. 
Oh, yeah, I don't like this president. I don't trust him. I'm not confident about him. Okay. Your new title is President Obama's obsessor. You want to join the club or join the other side of the club? And we can be obsessors in the Spirit Center life. That's what Joseph recently wrote in our mediumistic meeting. The robbers of the center, not only the center, any Spirit Center, when they come in, take what they need, and then when they leave, they start talking bad about things that happen in the center. That happens. If not in the SSB, elsewhere, they become obsessors of the center. That's the definition. And then, in this institute, we're going to see the unfoldment of the pretty things. And it's all in the books. All we have to do is to read. Mrs. Beatrice is in deep sleep in the spirit realm. There they have a psychiatric unit. And in this psychiatric unit, she is taken care with um, kind of a hypnotherapy, regression therapy. Because she cannot stay awake. She's very, very disturbed about what she saw. So there we have spirit doctors who are very evolved and very knowledgeable, Andrea Lewis says, about the techniques they are going to apply now. They say the pillow in which she's sleeping has electromagnetic forces that is helping her calm down while she's in forced sleep state. And Andrea Lewis is there together with the father, her father from that previous life, Pedro Neves, who is very concerned but still there to try to be of help, and Brother Felix. So they are around her with others. They say it's kind of eight people, like a medical team. She's sleeping and they put her into this state of deep sleep, regression, and one of them starts talking to them, like therapy. And uh, she says spontaneously, because this is the train of her thoughts, oh, um, let me just see the name, sorry, because so many names now. You see the names. Um, she says, I'm so upset with uh, British Castaneda. Who is British Castaneda? You see. I'm so upset with her. And the spirits kind of have a screen attached to her thoughts and talk to her like in a psychotherapy mode. She is not conscious and as if she were somewhere else. They show something that was happening to Mrs. Beatrice in a previous life and unfold to us who were all these people, these two families, and why the drama in this life unfolded in this way. Through regression therapy, they show that these characters in this life, the two families, the Nogueras and the Tories, actually they were. In 1792, almost a century and a half before, or two centuries before that life, Mrs. Beatrice actually was another woman named Leonor Tallis. She was married again um, with uh, another man, and she had this son named Alvaro. And married for a second time because the first husband died and she was only 22 years old. She married for the second time with this man named Justiniano Tellis. 
they got married. She was 22, he was 25, and overall was quite young and was well accepted into the family. They were very wealthy. But Andrea Louis says they got married mostly because, you know, interest. He needed a wife. She needed uh, not only for money in her side, but for him it was like pretty much for having a wife, etc. She had a son, so she needed to be taken care of. And then unfolds that Mrs. Maguera or Marcia is this woman who is making her very upset in this sleep state. Why? British Castaneda, who is married to Teodoro Castaneda, who in this life was Mr. Claudio. And they have a daughter, Marina, who in that life is Virginia. Are you following? It's pretty easy, huh, now, because of the drawings. Marina is not there yet. She's not in any family yet, okay? What happens? When, because they're pretty wealthy, he's sent to Europe, to Portugal and Paris. He comes back when he's about 15 years of age, got the best education at the time, comes back to Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, and the family decides to introduce him into the society of the time. You see, this pride we have inside of us, we only open doors for bad stuff, because that's when the drama begins in this life now. Oh, let me introduce you to my son. And we think it's pre very pretty tradition. Actually, it's a tradition founded in pride, unhealthy pride. When they did it, he is very young. He's still very young. I think by then he was like 17 or so. He was introduced. That family was well known of this family. And what happens? Mm. He comes in and develops a romantic relationship with this lady who is married. They start developing this relationship until one day, you see, it doesn't fit in well, and that's what happens. Teodoro found out about their relationship. He got out, said, okay. He didn't get out of the house yet because of the daughter, but he said, you know, I'm going to give myself to a new relationship. That's where Marita comes in. He gets out of the relationship with British, allows her to play with the young man, and Teodoro develops a romantic relationship with a woman named Mariana, and her nickname is Nanina. They have a romantic relationship. She has two children. She abandons the children. See why she got adopted this life? To appreciate? In her case, not all cases, case by case, but in her case, to appreciate, because she didn't appreciate these family relationships. They develop a very strong relationship. She's very much into, like, you know, life as it is, not very loving and maternal, but... This is how the scenario is at this point. Until one day, Alvaro 
he thinks of a fiancé he left in Portugal and told nobody about. Destroyed a marriage and said, oh, well, let me go back to real life and marry a young girl. Sorry. And British, Andrea Lewis describes, she was so hurt. Remember the preface by Emmanuel? Painful reparations when we hurt people's feelings. She was so deeply wounded that Andrea Lewis describes that from that day on, she became a bitter, selfish, let's say selfisher or more selfish than she was before, and very bitter woman. He goes away. He goes away. And what happens? He has this very, to make sure that she's not going to be much upset, he convinces the father that British wants to have a relationship with him. Because he's very wealthy, has jewels, etc. He gets convinced by the son that this woman is connected and wants to have a romantic relationship. And the father, because he's not very well aligned, he gives in and starts a relationship with that woman. Of course, Mrs. Beatrice or Leonor is very upset still. Because this is Mr. Nemesio, who is married to Beatrice. This is Mrs. Marcia, who is married to Claudio. And, this is, and then we see things repeating in some way and form. Why? Because of our impulses and instincts. We are reactive beings more than we act. We don't think too much. Because if we think a little bit more, probably we wouldn't do it. But we don't. We're like animals sometimes. We're like, oh, well, it's good for me. Go. It's like hunger. And don't think about what's going on. And the consequences is that it doesn't stop there. Leonor is very upset. And British becomes so bitter inside of her that she starts making abortions and not only that, but she almost like sells her daughter, Virginia, to become the lover of her lover. Yeah. I'm not the author, so whatever it is, it is there. So... She becomes so bitter and into very bad prostitution business kind of it and even prostitute her own child. It's common nowadays in some places in this earth. And Virginia starts having this relationship. Now, who are they in the previous lo- in this current life? Who is she? Marina, who is in a romantic relationship with Mr. Nemesio. You see why? In a previous life, repeating the same triangle again. The mother, the daughter, and the the man. Well, but then who is Alvaro then? Because where is he here? Okay, he went to, he created the mess, right? You agree that he was the the trigger for all the crazy changes in in both families? More families, because... A part of the story tells that this didn't end pretty. Let me just add this uh, detail for us. When 
This man, who was the father of Virginia, know that Virginia was having an affair. They became enemies, Justiniano and Teodoro, okay? It's like his former wife, his daughter, they became enemies. They were in this social battle for 11 years until one day Teodoro showed up dead. He died. No, he was murdered. Naninha, who is Marita in this life, Naninha, who is very upset, plans with someone else a way to kill Justiniano. How? In an accident, a carriage accident. How did she die in this current life? Accident. Why? Was she supposed to die in an accident? Not necessarily. But the minute she entered that vibration, she plugged in with a previous life vibration and she attracted it. Same thing. Not necessarily we have to undergo certain things, but we can call them. It's like plan A, B, C, D, Z that the spirits have for us. It's the law of God. Automated system. All the options, the combinations inside of us. If we decide to go this way, it's going to follow this plan. If we decide to go to the left, plan B is going to happen. Anyway, it's going to work in the, in the end of the story. But here, he died, he was murdered, this was murdered in another way. It wasn't beauty, beautiful. But who was the center point of all this? Alvaro. Who is he in this story? Because now we know who these people were. And we even understand why Claudio started hitting on Marita because they had this previous romantic relationship. Can she be mad at him because as his father he started hitting on, that, on him? She can be mad but not unforgiving because she is not a victim. None of us are. But who is Alvaro? Ta-da! Brother Felix. Believe it or not. <laughs> and you know, Andrea Luis describes that all of them were in a state of all, like, they were in this astonishment, like, what? And you know how it happened? He unveiled it himself. Because someone was asking, like, but where is Alvaro in the story? He's not there. And then Brother Felix comes, as handsome as he was already in his spiritual beauty, said, well, I have to tell you, it's me. And that's why now he has to make it up and fix. But now he's more evolved than they are. Why? Because he catched up. In between lives, they don't talk about his lives from there on to the spirit realm. But he suffered. He learned, you know, probably in an expedited way because he learned he was very guilty. Many people nowadays, they talk about Judas and Jesus. 
And Spiritism shows us that Judas, in one of his lives, he was Joan of Arc, who had, a, at least on our view, a beautiful task and mission in France, and not only for France, but also later for the United States, because if it weren't for France, the United States wouldn't become independent that easily. So we see many nations being helped by, you know, the, um, the achievements of, of a single nation. So we cannot say, like many people talk about Hitler, we're not defending him, but we're saying, who knows? Tomorrow he will need to catch up and repair and help all the ones he hurt. And maybe sooner or later he will be an evolved spirit. We know he wasn't. Like us. The best way to go is not to feel guilt, but to go fix it. Because if Brother Felix was stuck in his guilt and shame, he wouldn't be here today to help this family. So what did they decide to do? This is how they end up this book. Maureen and Gilberto are married, thanks to their support. Nemesio, he went psychiatric because he was not he, he couldn't accept Marina not being his his literally. He tried even to she got pregnant and Marita was going to become their daughter. Marita. Mm-hmm. To become their daughter. And uh, Marina was pregnant. Nemesio was very upset. Gilberto's father tried to kill her, pushing the car onto her, because Claudio was there. Claudio protected her, and he got you know, hit by the car. So you see how things repeat from the past? Their battle, Claudio, when he was Teodoro, Nemesio, when he was Justiniano, they started for the same people again and again. But at this time, she was going to be their daughter and try to love each other in a more evolved way. And Brother Felix asked for permission to reincarnate and help the family as well and fix so many things. And the chapter ends when he very, very cute, when he's already a little boy, I think he's three years old or so, and Andrea Luis describes such a cute scene, right? They are at the beach in Rio de Janeiro, and uh, Marina and Gilberto are there walking with Marita, who is now in this new reincarnation, and the little one, uh, Brother Felix. They are there, and suddenly appears the grandmother, Mrs. Marcia's Nogueira. Remember, Britis, the one that also went crazy. She's there, and remember, because of Brother Felix, when he was Alvaro, the whole drama began. So he's like three years old. He sees the grandmother approaching. And then the mother, Marina, says, Remember the prayers you have been making for your grandma. Tell your grandma what you've been praying for. And he says, 
Yeah, I've been praying for God so our grandma can come and live with us under the same roof because she was alone back then by herself. And this is how Andrea Louis shows to us real story, how the people whom we meet at work, in our families, everywhere, how through our sexual decisions, everything, our impulses, everything, there is a reason. And there are consequences as well. So in this beautiful account, and we have no... It's almost difficult to say how grateful we are for the spirits who brought these teachings. And there's much more because it's 350 books to tell the ins and outs of everything. But they show us clearly that the first spirit influence is inside of us. We have this inner obsessor sometimes. Our previous life's tendencies. Our previous life's choices. They are the ones who vibrate. So we cannot blame on Morera in our lives because we are open. Because if we are not, they don't get in. If our immune system is well, spiritually speaking, they don't hit on us. But if they do, we are opening up. We need, that's why Spiritism says we need to work in our inner transformation. That's the key word. That's why Kardec rescued the moral laws told by Jesus. Because it's the highest code of ethics and morality on earth. The highest. Because it's not selfish. It's not about meditating in selfish manner, retreating from the world. It's about giving ourselves to everyone every day. It's not about being the monastery. Because Jesus never taught that. It's about being in the world, wherever we are, and practicing, making efforts. Not to be saints, because God doesn't want us to be saints, but to make efforts. The inner obsessor, the other force is the karmics relationships. Sometimes, why do I have this person in my life? Well, there's a reason. Of course, there are the obsessors, because sometimes we were the ones who, knowing them in previous life, heard them as well. So we have the spirit families and friends who play a role in the spirit mentors. So there are at least five spirit influence types of spirit influence in our lives every day. Oh, I come to the United States. Uh, oh, because I decide to do so. No. You saw in the Spirits magazine, the Spiritist magazine, current one, Devaldo Franco saying, we are here because we have a connection. We have a connection. So we're here to learn and grow and to make others learn and grow. So basically what Andrea Louis shows to us, the tools for sexual violence reside in three main items. Spiritual knowledge. That's why we come to the center. It's, we need to know how to pray. Marita didn't know. Andrea Louis says, None of these families had spiritual education whatsoever. Zero spiritual education. That's why they failed again second time. Not 100%, but they still created a mess. No spiritual education. That's why in this next month, 
we're dedicating to healthy relationships, to learn the ins and outs of our relationships, to learn how spirits play a role in our lives, to learn more about ourselves. That's why we're dedicating next workshop to hands-on exercises on emotional balance. We're going to use some kits that were recently launched in the market from a, a, a person we've known in California to boost our emotional education because nobody teaches us how. We're going to learn that. And the spiritist therapy. When we come to the center, we drink the fluidic water, when we take the passes, when we learn these teachings mostly, because this gets rid of our ignorance, the obsessors play in our life because we don't know the rules of the game. Because once we know, they can't play anymore, like Claudio. And even the obsessors transform themselves. We need to become their educators. Instead of saying, shh, shh, go away. Say, okay, stay here. We're going to learn something. Read. And that's why the, they say, read out loud what you're reading at home. Because the obsessors are listening. They don't like it. Uh-huh. No. Joana de Angeli said to Divaldo, oftentimes, Camilo, the spirit mentor of Rotishira, read out loud because the obsessors listen. And when they and they don't like they leave. They leave. And the ones who are like, okay, whatever, like some children may do to us, but they're listening. Read out loud. Put some classical music out loud. Become their educators. We have our maternal paternal side inside of us. Everybody has love inside. So we can teach them a better way. So we need to be patient and persistent. I know it's not easy. But that's why we come to the center, because we replenish ourselves, get stronger. When we go to our daily lives, we can manage it. How to become and give back to the ones we took in previous life. And finally... We can practice this sexual balance, which is in our emotions. And that's why it's connected deeply into the series that we're going to work on in this next month. We're going to stop here. Open for one or two questions. If you want to share a question, sometimes your question remembers somebody else's question. And uh, then we'll open for the passive therapy. Please, Yasko. <laughs> I think it, it's on, right? No. Now it is on. Yeah. I'm thinking about Alvaro. Uh, he was doing a very good job in the spirit realm. It seemed to be so relevant what he was doing. So when he decided what they allow in this plan that they made together for him to come to the to incarnate and come in this you know body what is this is much more uh, stronger uh, job that he's going to do to fix all the harm that he has done to the family through a uh, more concrete love that someone can, you know, see than just an intuitive influence? What is this? 
is much more a stronger, uh, say, love that he could uh, convey to this family rather than being through the spirit realm. When he is to reincarnate? Yeah. Okay, good question. You can hold to the microphone, please, for now, Yasko. Let me just get to um, his prayer, because he prays, and uh, the minister, someone higher than him at the institute, comes because of these measures that are being taken, and basically he says a prayer that is worth um, reading, just a, a little part to understand your uh, question, which is pertains to the... Hold on a second, please. He says, Dear Jesus, what could I ask you when you gave me the care of friends um, who are around me in light of love that I do not deserve? This is his prayer, to ask for a new reincarnation. However, Master, um, under your blessings, we have something to implore you, trusting that you give it to us. Now, that new uh, events call me to earth. Help me. So be merciful, please, that I am, that I can be dignified, devoted, and reliable in your house, where for half a century I received tolerance and uh, greatness from all. So he has been in the spirit realm, in this institute, for 50 years. And now he's going to reincarnate. Why? Because life calls him in now. Now he needs to be there to be the booster of spirituality in a family that just started having some seeds of spirituality through Claudio. Now he needs to come in to give some more of this spirituality to the family. It needs to be visible because sometimes we don't listen. And Claudio was not the, 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 the sole opportunity, uh, uh, the strong one to do it. He was an instrument, but they needed more to help the whole family. So based on his prayer, and he says more, before the alternative of having a new body in the physical plane, in order to repair debts that I contracted in previous lives and to heal internal wounds, internal old wounds um, that I carry inside of me painfully from previous life's transgressions, please induce me mercifully. Um, uh, induce my friends to help with benevolence those who are around me and are uh, suffering because of me. So he needs, he's aware that he needs to reincarnate to give of himself truly in sweat and blood, truly, for those whom he took the peace away. Right? Reincarnation is a blessing. 
because the spirit guides are here telling us and we're like we have free will and but when we are in the flesh we can do much more thank you Yasko thank you someone else one more and then we wrap up with the passes thank you Obita it's all it's all uh, I don't know if uh, it's mentioned in the book. Uh, I realize in these in these two incarnations of the families, the characters of the spirits they are they are reincarnating in the same sex, like a woman of man. Uh, one of my question is like a, I don't know, mention in the book that is, that is necessary. Why is necessary for them to reincarnate? Promotion being man, being woman, and why do we need to go through um, reincarnations being man and reincarnations being woman? Good. Of course, this could be another workshop. In regard to sex, like previous workshops we gave about sex, we talk about other things. But as we know, in the Spirit's book, Kardec asks the Spirit's, do spirits have sex? Not have sex like sexual intercourse, like sex. Are they men or women, female or male? Say no. We are not. And if we feel too much attached to our sexual form, sex form nowadays, we're still not very evolved. The people say, oh, I would hate if I were a man. I would hate if I were a woman. It's a sign that we're far from being more evolved. Because it really doesn't matter for the more evolved spirits. So why do we need to come in these forms to learn different lessons? We have equal rights, but we have different roles, clearly. We can work in the workforce, but still, emotionally speaking, we have a different approach. Clearly, clearly, we have a different approach towards life. So, which are complementary. And as we evolve, it's going to be less dramatic, the differences, of course. But sometimes, card, um, Andre, um, Emmanuel, sorry, Emmanuel, through a book by Chico Xavier named Sex and Life, it's another book, this is Sex and Destiny, there is another one that is Questions and Answers to Emmanuel, through Chico Xavier, published, and you can get the PDF. If you know Portuguese, you can get the PDF online script has the PDF and you can download and read it and it talks questions and answers and one of them is exactly this when is it necessary to come in a different sex for example Chico Xavier we all know it for many lives for almost 2,000 years he had lives as a woman in Jesus time he was the daughter named Flavia, the daughter of Emmanuel, who was the senator, the Roman senator, Publius Lentulus. In another moment, he is the daughter of the, the, another uh, Emmanuel's uh, reincarnation a couple centuries later. And from there on, until Kardec's time, Chico Xavier was one of the teenage mediums who helped the spirit codification. He was the medium named Ruth Jaffe in France. They were from a Jewish family, 
and they were the ones who helped Kardec get the answers and now are the reason for why we're here. Emmanuel had to convince Chico Xavier in the spirit realm to come in a man's form in that last life that we know him as a Chico Xavier. Why? Because he had a mission. Not that only men have a mission, but he had a mission, and Emmanuel explains in this question. In his case, being a very feminine soul, he came in a man's body, and Emmanuel says in the description of this book, to make sure that he would not deviate. He, he was not supposed to be married. Making him be born as a man would block him from being interested in the other sex, which had no interest whatsoever. And he was already sublime. So he had those feelings sublimated in a way he didn't feel the impulse. And we know this from many people who lived very closely to Chico Xavier. And next year, many books are coming out and movies to talk more about Chico Xavier. These are not, these are public information in Brazil already. And they are actually in interviews in the internet that you can watch. If you go to the website, for example, for the ones who know Portuguese and forgiving, because we will get this information in English like we're doing now more and more often. But in Portuguese, they have this website www.spiritismobh.com, which is the Belo Horizonte Spiritist Movement. They have the interviews with um, many people who knew very closely, like May May's husband, who was very close friends with Chico Xavier. He tells all of this and much more. So this is one of the case for mission. But there's the other side. And Emmanuel says, if I am a woman and I didn't respect men, use and abuse of my beauty, of my sexual appetite, and destroy the heart of many men, I will be asked by divine conscience to be born as a man, to learn how to respect men, and vice versa. And, and then you can imagine, in some cases, what can happen in this scenario. People sometimes have a hard time to accept their physical form because of that. That's why in the Gospel of Jesus we learn the importance of resigning ourselves, surrendering ourselves to God. If God gave me this form, so be it. This is another topic for another workshop, but this is just a, an opening, okay? Okay.